Welcome back, MTN Nets podcast. A good win tonight. They finally beat the Sixers. I think it's been like eight straight losses against them or something. It is a win, technically, but the Sixers had just about nobody except for Tyrese Maxey playing. I mean, there was no Covington, no Batum, of course, no Embiid. Melton was out. So they had a lot of their main players out, but the Nets did what they were supposed to do. They came out and kicked ass. They were up 38-22 at the end of the first quarter. Um, the Nets were up by like 20-30 most of the game. They made that late comeback. That guy, what the hell was his name? Something Smith. He had a weird first name, but he was making all these threes in the fourth quarter. So the final score looked kind of close, but throughout the game, I mean, the Nets were just the uh, the way better team, and they did what they were supposed to do. So a 40-piece from Cam Thomas. That was great to see. And we'll also talk about the potential trades coming up here. Of course, the trade deadline's on February 8th, which I believe is Thursday. So five days away now. We'll touch on that and what rumors are out there. Uh, there's been a lot of Mikhail Bridges noise about him possibly being traded somewhere. A lot of good offers, apparently. So we'll talk about all that stuff. Hope you guys enjoy the video. Leave a like and let's get into it. We'll start with the game and then get to the uh, the trade stuff at the end. So... You know, I'll start with Cam Thomas. I'm trying to go out of order and, and talk about who actually deserves it first. But yeah, Cam Thomas was awesome tonight. 14 of 26. Should have been like 14 of 25, but he threw up some crazy shot at the end. But 14 of 26, he got a good amount of minutes tonight because the Nets had, I think, 10 active players in this game. Yeah, it's 10. So 10 active players. Of course, guys are hurt. Dennis Smith Jr. missed this game with a, uh, I think it was a foot injury. And still, Dorian Finney-Smith has the ankle. So Cam Thomas, though, he was he was amazing in this game. 5 of 11 from 3, 7 of 8 at the line. He was 14 of 26 total, so still good efficiency. Had 40 on the dot. He did add 5 assists, which we like to see from him. 3 rebounds. And, you know, he's becoming like this team's best player. I mean, Mikel Bridges has played better lately, and he's been good, but... I feel like Cam Thomas is kind of taking that role of, like, the top dog on this team. So, not to take anything away from Mikael Bridges. He was good tonight in his own right. But I feel like Cam Thomas is that guy on this team that you know any given night can explode for 40-plus points. And, yeah, we've seen Mikael do it, too, which is not as, just not as frequent, I feel like. So, I'm happy to see Cam Thomas. He's barely 23. He's out here playing very well and hopefully a, uh, a building block for this team in the future. So now we'll go to Cam Johnson, 33 minutes. He was 2 of 9 from 3. I felt like he was good in the first half and fell off in the second half, but, you know, he had a dunk. He had some nice moments, had, you know, that mid-range pull-up shot a couple times go down for him. Had 13 points, had 2 steals, 1 block, 3 assists, 7 rebounds. So not a bad day for Cam Johnson, but shooting 5 of 12, you would hope it's a little better than that, but, like, no, no biggie there. It was fine. Mikel played 32 minutes, and unfortunately for Mikel, he fell one three-pointer shy of breaking a franchise record. Mikel, coming into this game, had six or more three-pointers in two straight games. No net has ever done that for three straight games, and Mikel got to five three-pointers entering the fourth quarter, and then he missed two in the fourth quarter, and then he was benched because the Nets were up by so many points. So unfortunately, Mikel Bridges did not become the first net to break that record, so that's a damn shame. But he played pretty well tonight. Um, another guy who I think looked better in the first half. I think at one point in the second quarter, Mikhail really had it going. So it was good to see once again. He's been way more consistent lately. 
He's a guy who's been in a ton of trade rumors. I still don't think he'll be traded, but you never know. I mean, I, I've learned from the James Harden situation. I, I remember back then, uh, two years ago at this point, I did not think he'd be traded, and of course he was. So I never want to say it's not going to happen, but still, Mikhail Bridges getting traded is probably not expected unless they get like a great offer, which maybe they do, but we'll see. Nick Claxton was amazing, amazing in the first half. Not as great in the second half, I feel like, but first half, Nick Claxton, just tremendous. 26 minutes only, but 4 of 4 from the field, 4 of 6 at the line, 15 rebounds, had 4 assists, had 4 blocks, had a couple of really amazing blocks in this game, and he was just physical, and he was a guy who looked like a 20-plus million dollar per year player tonight. Um, that is kind of the problem with Claxton is sometimes he looks like that and sometimes he's not too impactful. We all saw that Suns game on uh, Wednesday, I think it was, the KD return, and Nurkic had like 30-something points, and like you can't have that if you're Nick Claxton. So there's some matchups where Claxton will look like one of the best players on the floor and then some matchups where he's not – um, impactful enough, but tonight was a great matchup for him. No Embiid. Um, there was Paul Reed, of course, but Nick Claxton was dominant in the first half of this game. Dinwiddie, I mean, he's just there. He's you know he had six assists. That's fine, but one of five made one three pointer. Not much to say there. Hopefully his days as a net are numbered at this point, and he should be traded by Thursday. But Still hasn't happened yet for some reason. Royce O'Neal played pretty well. 3 of 5, 2 of 4 from 3. Had 2 assists, 4 rebounds. Um, yeah, I liked what I saw. He had a nice floater, too. There was a point when the Sixers had a momentum. Cam Thomas got doubled on the right wing. He had to dump it off to Royce in the corner. And with the shot clock expiring, Royce threw up this floater, like a baseline floater, which is a tough shot. And he actually made it. Nothing but net. So um, that was a great shot there by Royce. You don't see that too often. Uh, Watford and Giles got some fourth quarter minutes and both looked pretty good. Giles had eight points. Watford had nine. Giles made his only three-pointer and so did Watford. I think both those guys were wide open on those shots, but still, I like to see, you know, the big guy stretching the floor. I wish Watford played more or played more, but, you know, it has not been happening lately for him. But, you know, same for Harry Giles. I do think there's points where the Nets can give him minutes. He should have been playing in the Phoenix game on Wednesday. But for some reason, Jock Vaughn and this organization is just not really keen on playing him. So it is what it is. But I feel like we saw what happened on Wednesday versus the Suns where Nurkic came in. They had no center. Their center was Royce O'Neal, who's like 6'6". And obviously, Nurkic had a field day. He scored like three straight possessions. And I feel like that's a perfect time for Harry Giles to come in. So I was kind of disappointed to see that. But Harry Giles was out here tonight playing pretty well. I know it was garbage time, but still, it was good to see. Ben Simmons only played 14 points. It was weird. Ben Simmons came back in the game in the fourth quarter and only stayed in for like 30 seconds. So I don't know if he got hurt again or if it was like just something weird happened. I don't know. They showed that one clip of like his knuckles bleeding. I don't know what the hell happened with that, but he came back in. So I don't know what to expect. But hey, the Nets now, I believe, are 5-3 and three this year in games where Ben Simmons plays. So that's the good news. He did not even look at the basket once today. I don't even think he, I don't think he even got the ball in the paint today. There was one time I think Cam Johnson tried to give him a bounce pass in the paint and it got intercepted. But 
Ben Simmons was not even close to shooting the ball tonight. Had no field goal attempts, no points, but he impacted the game with nine rebounds and five assists. He came in right away and, and looked great. Had a couple of bad passes tonight, Ben. One of them was uh, a turnover. One of them got knocked out of bounds. But, you know, I feel like when you watch Ben Simmons play, he's definitely a positive for this team. So hopefully he stays healthy and you know, works up that value because hopefully in the offseason, this team can move off that contract. I don't know if Ben's in the, the future plans of this organization. I hope not because he has proven to be way too unreliable at this point. But of course, Ben has one more year on his contract after this. So if the Nets want to trade him, they probably can do it this summer. So we'll see what happens. But I think it's in the best interest for all of us that Ben Simmons plays well because that just, you know, probably makes it easier to get off of him when you trade him in the summer, hopefully. Lonnie Walker played 30 minutes. Great to see. He was 8 of 16, gave us 20 points, 3 assists. Almost had the dunk of the year for the Brooklyn Nets. This would have been awesome. Um, it was an alley-oop 2-on-1. Royce O'Neal threw an alley-oop, and it wasn't the best alley-oop. He threw it in a position where Walker had to really reach back far and tomahawk it. I, I feel like if we had Vince Carter or Gerald Green, those guys probably convert, but Lonnie got stuffed by the rim. So it's unfortunate, but it would have been a great highlight play. But, uh, yeah, Lonnie was great. Knocked down a few threes. He made his only foul shot. Like, he was a positive tonight, you know, getting in the paint and, you know, kicking the ball out. So I liked what I saw there from Lonnie. Um, he's a guy who could be, like, one of those low-key trade candidates for this team. I kind of hope they keep him. Like, Lonnie's only, like, 25, I think. I'm going to check real quick. But Lonnie's still pretty young. So he's 25. He just turned 25 in December. So he's a young guy. Um, I would like to see Lonnie extended and have him be like the sixth man of the future here. But we'll see. It depends what kind of offers are out there. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's not much else to say about the game. I do want to see the team stats because I feel like the Nets had a ton of assists. Of course, the sound's playing on here. Um, the Nets had 35, 35 assists. That's crazy. I mean, I know scoring's up in the NBA this year and all that, but 35 assists is a great number. So I think in the first quarter alone, the Nets had like 17 assists, which is freaking crazy. So, you know, some great passing, some great ball movement, guys making shots. Nets were 39% from three. Philly was 41%, but they don't shoot a lot of them, especially when Embiid was playing. But So the Sixers only had 29 three-point attempts, and the Nets had 51. So, I mean, they shot way more. Um what else? The Nets had nine more rebounds. That's great to see. Uh, they had nine more assists. Um, anything else? They had four more blocks. They did have seven more turnovers. Only five turnovers for Philly, so that's interesting. Um, Nets' largest lead was 30. Nets had 46 points in the paint, but Philly had 62. Uh, Philly did have 14 more fast break points. That's interesting. Wow. But yeah, so a good game overall. I, I'm I'm satisfied with this win for sure. You know, when you saw how many guys were out for the Sixers, you were like, they better win this game, right? And they came out and they did. Um, they got up in the first quarter very early, and the Sixers really had no momentum. I mean, they had some runs in this game, the Sixers, but like not too sustained. They got on like some 6-0 runs, 7-0 runs, but like nothing too crazy. Um, Jacques Vaughn, I think, probably called timeouts a little too late sometimes, but for the most part... Um, you know, it wasn't that bad of a game for Jock Vaughn. And I do like seeing Harry Giles get eight minutes in this game. That was good. So, you know, thank you for that. Um, but, yeah, this team's won three out of four now. And they have now improved to 20 and 28. It's not good. It's not where you want to be. And we did see that 
you know, I'm sure some of you guys saw the video of Brian Lewis, and Brian Lewis is, I think, one of those reporters that, like, Joe Sy likes to go through, so when he says something, I definitely listen to it, because I feel like it's coming right from Joe Sy. So, there was that clip of Brian Lewis saying that the Nets are still competing for this year and still want to make the playoffs, which, like, I get it, that's, that's what you're supposed to do, but... My hopes and dreams of this team trading every tradable asset for draft picks is probably not going to happen. Like, I do think some guys get traded. I do think Dinwiddie probably leaves. Um, DFS probably leaves, maybe. I'm still, I'm a little less sure on that one than Dinwiddie. I, I feel like Dinwiddie, there's a very good chance he's gone. But even like a Royce O'Neal, who's on an expiring deal. Um, I mentioned Lonnie Walker and, of course, Mikael Bridges. There's all these reports out that Mikael Bridges... Um, is being pursued by teams like Houston and New Orleans and who else was it? Was it Memphis or no? I, I know Memphis was last year. I forget. But there's definitely teams out there interested in Mikael Bridges. So Mikael is 27, has two more years on his contract, I think, after this year. So he's on a team-friendly deal for the most part. But he is like the face, quote-unquote, of the Brooklyn Nets right now. So if you were to trade him you lose your most marketable player, which I know Mikel Bridges is not that marketable in the first place, but when you look at like the Nets' social media pages and all that and who they promote, Mikel Bridges is number one, pun intended there, because he is number one. But anyway, it's true, though. Like He is the guy on this team. If you trade Mikel Bridges, there is nobody else to promote on this team aside from Cam Thomas, and God forbid the Nets do that because it seems like they never want to do that. So I'm fine with that personally. Like, if I get a good offer for Mikel Bridges, I'm not opposed to trading him because I think trading Mikel Bridges and like kind of restarting and rebuilding and getting a whole bunch of first-round picks on top of what you got last year for KD and Kyrie... Um, like, I feel like that is way more attractive to me than, like, trying to trade two first-round picks for DeJounte Murray and then trading a lot of those Phoenix picks for Donovan Mitchell in the offseason. That's, that's an if. Like, it's it's not even a guarantee that you can get Donovan Mitchell in the first place. The Cavs have been playing much better. So what if Donovan Mitchell changes his mind and is like, hey, I'm, I'm fine staying here, and he stays in Cleveland. So, you know what I mean? Like, you know, superstars do come available once in a while, but it, it's, it's not a guarantee. So... I think if I'm the Nets and I'm getting great offers from Mikael Bridges, like I've seen like the reports of like possibly Jalen Green and like four first round picks. And I know all those picks are Nets picks. Like they did belong to the Nets, but they went to Houston in the, in the James Harden trade. But the Nets have a chance to control their own future and get Jalen Green, who let me look it up. I think Jalen Green's like 21 or something like Jalen Green. Yes, he's a bit of a shot chucker and whatnot. And maybe that's a bit of a weird fit with um with Cam Thomas although Cam Thomas I have to say he's been maturing before or more maturing right in front of our eyes I was going to say before our eyes but I don't think that's the right way to say it but he has been maturing right in front of our eyes lately um there were definitely times in this game specifically and of course the past you know, month or so where Cam Thomas had a chance to take a shot that in the past he definitely would have taken the shot, but he made the right read and made the right pass. So you can tell by watching Cam Thomas, he's getting better. But anyway, back to Jalen Green. Um, he's 21. 21 year old, averaging 18.4 points per game this year. Um, is playing four or less minutes than, than last year per game, but last season he averaged 22 points per game as a 20 year old in the NBA. Like, me personally, 
I get that Mikel Bridges is a better player right now and, and, you know, great contract for a couple more years, but if you can get this guy who was a second overall pick a couple years back and, and you know, has the crazy athleticism and a great shot maker, like if you can get that and get all your picks back, I mean, it's it's very worth looking into. I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm 100% on board with it, but if you're the Nets, you have to be honest with yourselves. Like, where is a team? Like, my problem with the whole, like, DeJounte Murray and Mitchell thing, like, where is that team going? You know, if you get Murray, you get Mitchell, you have Bridges, that's like your your big three, quote-unquote, which is a, oof, that's a, that's a much worse big three than what we once had here. But if that's like your big three, how far can that team go? You know, and if you do get those two players, Murray and Mitchell, you're going to have to trade as I said, a lot of those Phoenix picks, probably, if not all of them, I mean, probably at least two of them. So, you know, you're missing out on those and you're going to impact your depth. Like, that's the thing. You're going to impact your depth. Like, a trade for DeJounte Murray would probably only take Dinwiddie plus picks, hopefully. So that's not too bad in terms of depth. But if they were to trade for Donovan Mitchell in the offseason, like, how many players is that going to cost? Like, you may have to lose Cam Johnson in that trade. You may have to lose, I don't know, like some other decent player. I can't even think right now. Maybe like a, a Noah Clowney or a prospect like that or Derek Whitehead. Like, I could see the Cavaliers wanting somebody like that. But, uh, yeah, like maybe it is just Cam Johnson and it's Clowney and it's a couple first. Like, I don't know what the, the cost for Donovan Mitchell would be. But my point is, if you're going to get those guys, you're going to have to take assets away from your team. Obviously, it's a trade. So that was the good thing about Katie and Kyrie is they came here for free. Not for free, but like no assets giving up except for money. They were free agent signings. I mean, the Nets technically traded D'Angelo Russell for Kevin Durant, which obviously you're doing that every time. But they gave up no draft picks or anything like that, just money. And that, that's, the, that's the great part about that signing or those signings in the offseason was like it didn't cost any players. It was just money. But now, if you're to, if you were to trade for Donovan Mitchell, you're gonna impact your depth, and I still don't think that team would go. I don't want to say like they're a second round team. I think in the right circumstances and injury luck goes our way, there's probably a chance that that core of players Murray Mitchell and um, Murray Mitchell and Mikhail, um go to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's possible. But I just can't see a team like that winning the finals. I just don't think it's going to happen. So, you know, it's not perfect. That's the thing. I, I feel like, yes, if you were to trade Mikel for a bunch of draft picks, you have to hit on those picks. But the one great thing about Sean Marks that has been continued throughout his tenure here is that he's been a good drafter. Like, that's the thing. Like, he, he did draft Karis LeVert. He did draft um, Jared Allen. He did draft Cam Thomas. He did draft De'Ron Sharp. He hasn't had that many high picks here. I don't think Sean Marks has even had a top 20 pick since being the Nets GM. So, I mean, that's kind of crazy. But he even found Nick Claxton. Like, that's like five guys right there. A few of them are, you know, are really good NBA players. Karis, Jarrett, um, Nick Claxton. Like, guys that were, like, borderline all-stars. I feel like, didn't Jarrett make the all-star team last year? He might have. He might have been, like, right on the cusp. But he was, like, right there. So... You know, you drafted some really impressive players if you're Sean Marks. That's the thing about Sean Marks that I like is he's a great drafter. And, you know, that's why I'm more of a uh, a fan of getting some picks back and not trying to go all in right now. Because the Nets have done this twice now in the past decade. 2014, it might have been 2013 technically, but, you know, you, tra you trade for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Jason Terry and you're 
team went to the second round and got demolished, right? And then that team got broken up. And then you trade like eight first round picks for James Harden and you had a real shot to win a title one year. Everyone got hurt. So it is what it is. But, you know, that kind of blew up too. So you're trading like seven, eight years worth of draft picks. And we know about the Celtics trade. It was like four first round picks and like three swaps or something. So you made the Boston trade. Then you made the Harden trade all for basically one season of going, you know, going for a championship, right? The Nets were a second round exit in 2014. And then in 2021, they lost in seven to the Bucks and in the second round. So the Nets are out here trading like six, seven years worth of draft picks for like one year. And who's to say if they get Mikhail, Murray, Mitchell, that it, it works out perfectly? Like, who knows? You know what I mean? Like, as a Nets fan, I, I'm just naturally pessimistic that these team that these uh, things will not work out. So we've done it that way for the last decade twice, and it went horribly, right? The big three is probably the biggest failure in NBA history, maybe all of sports. And the Boston trade in 2014 may go down as the worst trade in NBA history because it resulted in Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown and, and technically Colin Sexton too. So the Nets are on the wrong side of some of the worst moments or just, you know, whatever in the NBA of the past decade. And I feel like going down that same path again is just dumb. Like you don't, they just haven't learned their lesson, you know, like Billy King did it in the Celtics trade and it ruined their future Sean Marks did it in 2021, getting hardened, which I, I understood it. I didn't love it, didn't hate it. You know, I understood it, and it probably should have worked out, but, you know, stuff happened that was out of their control for the most part. But I just don't want to go down that road again. I really don't. Like, yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to watch Murray, Mitchell, McHale. It'd be fun, right? Triple M, it'd be fun. But I'm still trying to play the long game and getting a team. Like, I, I love the way the Thunder built that team they have now with Chet and SGA and getting SGA was, I don't want to call it luck, but like to get SGA from that Paul George deal is crazy, but like OKC, they're built so well and every team should aspire to be like that. The Nets have a chance to, to stock up so many picks, which is why OKC got to where they are today. They didn't get here because OKC signed some great guys in free agency. I mean, OKC is not the most desirable destination. So they have to build through the draft. I think sometimes playing in Brooklyn kind of goes against us because I think the Nets realize like, oh, we're Brooklyn. We're an attractive destination. So we can build through free agency. So it kind of gets you away from building from the draft, which I do think is the right thing to do here. So where I stand personally is if you can trade Finney Smith for two first, trade Royce for a first, Trade Dinwiddie for whatever at this point. If you can trade Mikhail Bridges for what some people are saying is four or five first-round picks. I don't know if it's five. I did see that today. I don't know where. But, you know, if you can get that many first-round picks from Mikhail Bridges, like, I'm fine playing the long game and trying to build up a team here that, you know, in the four or five years is going to be competing for the playoffs and then eventually for the, you know, finals and have that team, you know, be homegrown and young and exciting and you know, I'm just tired of going all in for these free agents and, and these trades that just don't work out. Like, I'm scarred as a Nets fan. It just does not work. So, you know, I'm not saying it's it's never going to work, but we've seen it twice now. It just did not go well for us. But, you know, we'll see what they decide to do. If Marks does absolutely nothing, I'm going to be pissed. I at least want to see Dinwiddie and somebody else traded. Um, as I said, I do think most likely it's going to be Spencer and Finney Smith traded. Could it be somebody else, too? I don't know. Um, as I said, some teams might be calling for Lonnie Walker. It would not surprise me. 
Um, Royce O'Neal as well. I'm sure Royce is kind of desirable for other teams. And Mikel Bridges, of course. So I don't think that'll happen. Even like Harry Giles, like maybe a team takes a shot on him. I don't know. But if and when a trade ever happens, um, I'll definitely come on here and talk about it. I think a year ago is when Kyrie requested his trade, by the way. I think it was February 3rd last year. So sad day for me as a Kyrie fan. But yeah, this team has won three of four, looking better. Uh, once again, five and three with Ben Simmons this year in the lineup. They do play Golden State on Monday. Kyrie comes back on Tuesday, and the Mavericks come to town. Thursday is versus Cleveland, and then Saturday is versus San Antonio. Then you have a back-to-back with Boston on Tuesday and Wednesday. Then it's the All-Star break. So we have seven games, I think, until the All-Star break, or six. Six games until the All-Star break. So personally, I would love to go like three and three to be realistic, but if they can somehow go for him too, that's great. Obviously, playing Boston's not easy. Cleveland's been great. Dallas is, uh, you know, Dallas is like a mid-type team, but they have one of the best players in the league, obviously. Golden State is looking a little better now, so I don't know what to expect there. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens, but I'll take 3-3 three and three and go into the uh, All-Star break at 23-31. and 31 which is not ideal once again, but, you know, I just hope the Nets are not going all out to make the playoffs this year. I would hate that if they were buyers at the deadline. That would be so stupid in my opinion. Um, But we'll see what happens. I just don't want that to be the case. Like, there's just no point. If you're a playing team and, like, like, why would you go all out to make the playoffs? I just would not understand that at all. So hopefully they don't, and hopefully they make the right moves and get some draft picks and get some young prospects and, um, you know, put this team in the – the best direction for the future. That's all I want. So that's going to do it for the video. It's a good win tonight. And um, I'm trying to think next time I'll talk to you guys. Let's see. Deadlines on Thursday. So assuming no trades happen until Thursday, I'll probably just wait until then after that Cleveland game to talk to you guys. But, you know, if something happens on Monday or Tuesday, then I'll talk to you guys then. But I guess we'll see what happens. It depends what trades are done and, and all that. But we'll see. Hope you all enjoyed, and I'll talk to you guys next time.